0: Praise Podcast. Hey everybody, this is Pastor Garrett, youth pastor at High Praise Panama City. I want to thank you for downloading today's podcast. No matter if you just missed a service or if you happen to stumble across our show, we believe and we pray that God is going to bless you through today's episode. So open up your hearts, receive what God has in store for you. Tonight I want to talk about one really key principle. I had two, but I just I shaved it down to one. So if you've got your Bible, if you're following along in the Bible app, whatever you're doing, or you're taking notes, uh, this is Heaven Rules Part Three. Go to Galatians chapter six, verses seven through nine. I'm you're probably I'm going to drop out a lot tonight because I never preach with this thing. So at one point I'm probably going to be doing this. And you're just going to have to accept it. Um, go to Galatians. Go to Galatians six uh, seven through nine. We're going to be there pretty much all night. We're going to break down these three, uh, key pieces of scripture. Uh, we really won't go anywhere else. So once you get there, you can just stay there, bookmark it, highlight it, whatever you want to do. We're not going to jump around tonight. So Galatians six verses seven through nine. I'm going to read it to you You already. Oh man, that was lame. Are y'all ready? All right, here we go. Galatians six, seven through nine says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever one sows that will he also reap for the one who sows to his flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good for in due season, we will reap if we do not give up. Okay. Like I said, we're going to be here all night. You're going to hear me say that verse a bunch more times. So if you missed it, you'll hear it again. So something that I think happens and has happened, especially in your generation, um, is that we take really, really important key principles of the kingdom, really key principles of heaven, and we kind of put it in a box, right? Everyone do this. Make a box. There you go. And we put key principles in a box and we say, this is what this applies to. We typically only apply... that principle to very specific, certain things, most things that we just hear in church, right? So most of the time when I say, well, you're going to reap what you sow, most time we immediately think of offering. We think of money. We think, okay, I I know what that means. I, I hear it whenever we take up offering in church, you know, you reap what you sow, you give your 10%, you're going to sow, you know, 10 times more, blah, blah, blah. And while those things are good and true, this principle applies to so so, so much more, say so much more all right good so what i want to do is kind of really break this down i want to break down these three pieces of scripture and how this should look in our lives because it goes so much beyond you know just giving uh physically giving money uh, especially in our tithes and offerings we do this even uh, i thought about doing this with some other things but it would have been just way too much to do um in one night like we kind of do it with serving right like we, we we think We hear serving talked about in church. We're like, yeah, I need to volunteer more, but we don't necessarily apply serving to like serving uh, people at school that we don't like or serving people on the street or serving the old lady at Walmart who's walking slow in front of you. Like there are so many things that we need to begin to expound upon, especially in your generation because, and here's the problem, and I know you've heard me talk about this before, because honestly, you guys take these things and you're only hearing them at church. And so if you ever only ever read and hear about things like sowing and reaping or serving, uh, things like this, we, we, we start to put it in a little box. And we're like, okay, well, that's only what the Lord means whenever he talks about, you know, you're know, you gonna reap what you sow. We think, well, it's money, but it goes beyond so much more than that. And here, Paul in Galatians is basically trying to give this example that what you reap, or, I'm sorry, what you sow is what you're eventually gonna reap, and he even takes it to, uh, to the extent of trying to explain to them like you have to sow your life to the spirit. And one day you will see the fruit of sowing your life, which will be eternal life. Okay, so um, I know I just talked a lot and just gave you a whole lot of information. So let's break this down a little bit. So the very first piece of scripture says this, do not be deceived. Why do you think Paul says, do not be deceived? That's all right. you don't have to answer. I don't know either. He says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. I'm gonna stop right there. Now, if mom or dad or grandma or grandpa came to you tonight and was like, you know, Cooper, don't be deceived. Your mom and dad will not be mocked. Cooper probably in that moment is like, oh my God, what do they know? Right? Right, you understand what I'm saying? If someone, if your teacher came to you tomorrow and like leaned over your desk and said, justice, I will not be made a fool of. That usually means someone says, you're doing something wrong and I know it, right? So Paul's kind of like starting off by saying like, hey guys, let's not be ridiculous. God, God's not gonna be mocked. And ultimately what I think he's really trying to address is this issue that uh, people basically act as if God doesn't see everything. Right? He's saying like, before we get into the rest of the scripture, he starts out by saying, you know, God's not gonna be mocked. God's not gonna be made a fool of, okay? He's not gonna tell you all to do something, leave. And we've seen this, you know, we, just a few weeks ago, we talked about the story of Adam and Eve. God was not mocked. God was not made a fool of. What he said came true, correct? When he gave Adam and Eve the instructions they were to follow, which were don't eat of the tree that is in the middle of the garden, right? And then he was not present, when they ate of the wrong tree and then he came back and there were consequences to the actions. You're good. Castle. He's trying to sneak up there. Like we don't see him. Oh, well, there he goes. There he goes. Y'all give it up for pastor castle. We love him. He is the glue that holds this church together. Castle glue. <laughs> no. Um, what were we talking about? Adam and Eve. Um, sorry, I totally lost my train of thought. So God's not mocked. We see this in Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve do something, and then they immediately have to pay the consequences for their actions. Right? It would be, you know, as if, um, it'd be as if God had his back turned to everything, and while he wasn't looking, people were getting away with stuff. Right? That's typically when, a, when someone in authority says, hey, I'm not going to be made a fool of, that basically means this you're not going to act a certain way and think that I don't know about it and just not take me seriously. Right? So if I, if just a real weird, dumb example, if I said, Hey, everyone in here, I'm leaving for five minutes. No one's allowed to talk. And I trusted that y'all wouldn't talk. And I left for five minutes and came back and everyone knew that everyone in here talked and laughed and was ridiculous. But I just went on believing that y'all did what I said and had no idea of it. That would be mocking me right? This is what Paul is trying to portray to the church. He's saying, you can, what you're doing right now, God sees and there will be consequence for, okay? God will not be mocked by your behavior. God and your, your church, you're not going to mock the Lord. It's not as if God has, Jesus came, taught what he needed to teach, died, rose again, went to heaven and has no idea what's going on in the earth. And he's just going to come back one day and expect and hear all the stories and see everything went well. Okay. He, he's addressing because that, that was basically the behavior of the church. As if God was not watching, he just gave his instructions and left. He was like, all right, I'll be back. Hopefully I'll do well. We'll figure it out. You know, good luck. So he says, do not be deceived. I think, I think the reason he says don't be deceived is because he's, he really is, te- he's, he is talking as if he was talking to Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve were deceived when? When God left after he gave the instruction. So Adam and Eve were given the instruction and then they were deceived because God wasn't present. And then God came back and there were consequences to those actions. So he is saying this to the church, do not be deceived. Your enemy is going to try to deceive you into believing that God's not watching you and God's not paying attention to you and he has no idea what's going on so you can do what you want. He is warning against the same deception that happened to Adam and Eve that is happening to the local church. This is, this is, this, this is the, the early church has been established. This is a warning for the church. This is a warning for the church right now. Don't be deceived. God will not be mocked. I could, pre- I could honestly probably just preach an entire message off, off those, what, five words, six words, whatever, because that, that applies so much to our own lives. Right? We, we, we have an encounter with the Lord, we hear the Lord's word, we, we you know we we give our life to God, but then we mock him as if he's not paying attention to the details of our lives. Because it would it would be it would be very disrespectful and it would be very um, I don't know the word mockery-ish if we if God did not see how we acted outside of church and only saw how he acted in church, right? That would be very disrespectful if we came in here had it all together and just worship, prayed and acted like, oh Lord, you just, I had the best week and I've just been evangelizing Mosley High School. And I've just seen miracles happen in everywhere I've gone. And then we leave and we go and we are just, we are, we are the exact same as the world, but then came back. And if, and if you get what I'm saying, that would be mocking God. Some of us mock God every week Do not be deceived. God will not be mocked. I don't want to at all come across, and I know I probably will in this message sometimes, I'm gonna go ahead and preface it it by saying this. I don't want anyone in here to, to change their view of the Lord as if he is an angry, disappointed, ready to punish kind of God, but he will not be mocked, okay? So there's a fine line here like sometimes when we talk about this stuff it's like oh my god he's going to like smite me down there's going to be lightning and there's going he's going to flood the gin building cuz everyone in that stands in here is wrong and so he flooded it like that's not what happened all right anything it was a blessing in disguise cuz i so you know it worked out so I don't want you to leave here and be like, oh, "God, we're a fake youth group." God flooded it like He flooded the earth, and He's getting rid of the sin in the youth group. That's not the kind of God that we serve. Okay, that's not our Father. But there is a line where we can we can abuse that that mindset a little bit because God is not going to mock, be mocked. Okay, I'm not. I can't say that enough. God's not going to be mocked. Okay, He He He, he just won't right, I've got to move on because I think I've got my point across so it says do not be deceived. do not be deceived God is not mocked then he says this for whatever one sows that will he also reap say this with me for whatever one sows that will he also reap okay you've heard this phrase and if you haven't you've heard me say it already tonight this is um this is a principle that this everyone in this room including myself has got to get a deeper revelation of tonight okay because because we live in a time where everything seems to be so result driven you know like we we are very much a microwave drive-through generation we love things instantly. I love things instantly. I like direct deposit. I like drive-throughs. I like my microwave. I like things quick. I don't want to wait. I don't like to wait. I just, I want it to be bam, bam. There it is done. I I don't, I don't want to sit and watch. I don't like twiddling my thumbs. Right. You get what I'm saying? And so our, our culture is literally obsessed. Um, and, we could probably name a, a million things that have become popular simply because they provide a convenience. Would you agree? The more uh, anything in the travel industry, the things that do well in the travel industry are, things, are companies that make things convenient. I was in Disney last week, I just um, like for a couple of days and it always baffles me how much um, money people will pay to not wait. And you will see this again, um, I said again, really weird, but we'll see this again on Friday. uh, When we go to rock the universe, you will watch people pay hundreds and hundreds of dollars on top of what they've already paid just to not wait in line. The ride is the same, but just to bypass the, the inconvenience of waiting in line Do you have places like Universal and Disney who are making millions of dollars a year simply off of someone's inability to wait in a line? And I don't like to wait in line. It's not that fun. And if you've ever waited in line with a six- and a four-year-old, it's not that fun either. Um, It's, yeah, Josiah knows what I'm talking about because I've been in lines with Eva Joy, and that is scary. I was in line last week. Um... We were in line for Soarin'. Anyone ever rode Soarin' in Disney World? You know what I'm talking about? Love Soarin'. If you don't know what I'm talking about, it's just a ride. Yeah, you can smell the oranges. And we're in line, and I've been telling Millie, our middle child, I've been telling her for two days, quit sitting on the ropes. Like the little chain ropes, you know, that are in line. People always sit on them, they hang on them. And Millie thinks she is like a world-class gymnast and just wants to do tumbles and flips and yada, yada, yada. And I keep telling her, like, you've got to quit sitting on these you're going to fall and so we're in line for soaring, and i put my hand on it and it immediately popped off because this one wasn't a chain it was a magnet and so like where it's usually like a hook to the poles it was just a magnet and it popped off and so i put it back on and i just watched millie and i was like here we go she's gonna do some like crazy flip over this thing and i just knew it was gonna happen and i even warned her i'm like millie i've been telling you don't jump on these chains she's like okay dad and I mean, not two seconds after I, it was like I said, Millie, all I want in life is for you to jump on this chain right now. And she just instantly did like this penguin flop onto this chain and smacked on the ground. I mean, and just, uh, and if you've ever seen Millie cry, you know, it's like this uh, hurt T-Rex arms come up and she's like, uh, and she's laying there and soaring. And I did not feel bad for her at all. Like at all. I was literally looking at her like I just told you not to do that. She's like, oh, it hurts. You pushed me. Jackson pushed me. I'm like, no, you did this. Golly. I don't know why I had nothing really to do what we're talking about, but I just feel like sharing that with you. While y'all were in service last week, I was consoling Millie on the floor of Soren because she jumped on a chain that was held together by a magnet. Um, anyway, what are we talking about? We're talking about convenience, right? We're talking about time. So, what you what you sow is what you're going to reap. Okay, I gotta I gotta back up because I just went down a rabbit hole for a little bit. So many of us, um, I think, are are reaping things that we don't want to admit that we're sowing, right? And so we have a lot of us have a lot of us have um, continuous problems. Okay, we'll be let's all be honest with each other for a minute. Most of us deal with things for more than just a week. Okay. Like those of us that have dealt with anxiety, those of us that have dealt with depression, those of us that have dealt with lust, those that have dealt with self-harm, those of us that have dealt with identity issues. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Most of the time, we're not like, yeah, I dealt with that for a few days, got over it. No big deal. That's typically not how it works. Correct? Correct. Correct. Okay, just want to make sure we're on the same page. Because um, all the hard things that I've had to deal with in life, addiction, things like that, none of it has just been, whew, was easy. That was done. That altar fixed it over with. What I want you guys to grab a hold of tonight, and this is honestly probably the most, one of the, if not the most important thing about this message is that most of us are dealing with problems over and over again because we sow the same seed, right? And so we sow the same seed when no one's looking. And then when the harvest comes, it's like, why am I dealing with this? And we can help chop down those things that have sprung up in our lives or we, we can help get rid of the weeds a little bit and we can, and most of the time it's done in an altar it's done with a leader. It's done with someone of influence in your life and that is done through counseling. But the same plant keeps popping up year after year, month after month. It's because the, the seed hasn't changed. You get what I'm saying? Some of us guys, you still deal with lust because you don't feed, you don't sow anything else in your life besides things that are going to produce lust. Lust, it would, be ins- it would be insanity for us to be like, oh, God, you have not delivered me from this lust problem, but your TikTok is about as rated M for mature as it can be, right? Like that's ridiculous. Or you have a million stranger girls on Snapchat that you have streaks with, you know, but you're like, why do I deal with lust so much? <laughs> it's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Like if you sow that seed every day, every morning you wake up and Snapchat 20 girls, a picture of your pillow or your ceiling and you you, you feed this like ongoing issue. And then it's like, we cry and we're like, God, why aren't you fixing this? It's not because God doesn't want to fix it. You're just not changing what you're sowing. Girls, the same thing is true for you. We can have identity problems. We can have a self-confidence problem. We can have insecurities. But all the while, while no one's looking, the only seed that you're sowing in your own life is telling yourself how ugly you are, how unworthy you are, how you, I have no friends. I, I No one likes me at church. And so you tell yourself this constantly. We don't see it, we don't hear it. But it's like, I just, I really just feel like no one likes me. I just deal with this thing, guys no one is ever going to be able to change the seed that you sow in your own life. No one. Only you are are able to do that. And these are things that are gonna happen when no one else is looking. Do not be deceived, God will not be mocked. And so if you continuously sow the wrong seed in your life and it continuously produces the wrong fruit, the wrong plant, and we stand before God and we're like, "I I didn't plant that. It's like, it's Adam and Eve in the garden, like, uh, uh, the girl told me to, you know what I mean? That's who we've become. We've become a people who are planting seeds, acting like no one knows about it. No one can see it with our thoughts, with things we do alone with who we are in bed, scrolling on our phones, who we are at school when no one's, I mean, we, we sow things that then they come to fruition. It's like, God, that's mocking God guys. That's mocking God. It's mocking God to come before Him and it's also a little narcissistic to the Lord. Believe me, this this is true. It's kind of, um, it's kind of abuse. it would be described abusive if it were a person to a person. If someone did this to their spouse or in a relationship, we would call this person manipulative and a little insane. To sow the seeds that produce the fruit and then come blame God why things haven't changed, right? That would be crazy. That's called gaslighting, right? Some of us gaslight the Lord because we come before an altar and we're like, I'm tired of praying about my anxiety. And God's like, I will break that from you, but here's the seed you gotta sow in your life to produce a different fruit. And we're like, no, I don't want that. (laughs) It's like, it's it's a lot simpler than we make it out to be sometimes because we're always going to reap what we sow. You're always gonna reap what you sow. like literally the number one most quoted scripture in my life, (coughs) is you will be transformed by the renewal of your, yes, some people said it. Transformation comes through a renewal of our mind. Paul says this in Romans 12, transformation comes through the renewal of our mind. And so if you wanna be changed, which is a requirement of being born again, Correct? But we never renew our minds, we never change the way we think. We'll never change. Therefore, we get stuck in these cycles. And you're never going to change the way you think if you don't change what you sow to your mind. And so if you're if your social media accounts and your TikToks and your Snapchats and whatever X and Instagram and whatever your DMs look like, if those things don't change, because those are things that are affecting your mind, some of you just need to honestly go watch what you're watching on things like Hulu and Netflix this is nasty I'm so tired of turning on things I think will be good and halfway through it's like oh no this was porn I just didn't know it it's really getting on my nerves a little bit but those are the types of things that you are sowing to your mind that you are sowing to yourself you spend all day at school and you surround yourself with people who talk negatively talk negatively about you or at least put you in fear that they're talking neg- negatively about you. And then we wonder why we have self, self-worth self problems. It's about what you're sowing. Some of us are acting a little crazy because we, we sow things and we're like, God, if you would just change the things I've sown into like something else while it's in the ground, that would be cool because I just don't want the consequences of what I've done. And ultimately, that that's what this principle is about. This principle is about creeping consequences. Okay. You ever heard the phrase, you play dumb games, you win dumb prizes. If you play a dumb game, you win a dumb prize. Some of you play the dumbest of games and win the dumbest of prizes, they're like, why'd he dump me? You know what I mean? It's like, why did you play a game with him? Like, I don't understand what the problem was. If the seed that you're sowing doesn't change, the fruit's never going to change, guys. All right, let's keep going. So we've gotten not halfway, so we're going to, we're okay. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. Now listen to this. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life. We're going to stop right there. I'm going to read it to you one more time. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. I've already kind of hit um, on, on some of this, but I want to talk a little bit just about like the, the literal, what it means to sow a seed. Whenever you put a seed, anyone ever planted like anything? Anyone? Zach, I know you're into, you're good at that stuff. Um, if you've ever like taken seeds and put them in the ground, the first thing that happens to the seed is the seed dies. Okay. Even Paul says this, don't go here, but I'm gonna read this to you uh just because I thought it was super interesting. Paul said this in First Corinthians three, six. He says, um oh wait, nope, wrong one. I scrolled down too far. Um he says this, he says, Do you not know that when a seed goes into the ground it first dies? Paul says this 2000 years ago. This is, you know, before like science and what we can like actually discover now. He said this 2000 years ago. He said, and he's talking to the church in Corinth. Yeah, I'm, Paul, Joel didn't like that. Uh, he just threw his Bible at me. You all saw it. <laughs> but the seed, when it goes into the soil, has the, the outer layer has to die first. And that takes time. And for some of you whenever we start to sow the right seed this is what happens we start we will try we will attempt at sowing the correct seed you know by reading our bible and sowing into the spirit and feeding ourselves spiritually and being the right person doing good deeds and things like that and we're like all right where's the fruit where's the plant where where's the stuff that like where's where's the where's the reaping on top of the sowing i'll be honest with you i i, I believe this i don't have like a scripture to like point you to the like. but this is just a personal belief of mine. Seeds that are sown in the flesh spring up way quicker. I mean, almost, I mean, if you've ever been tempted with something, you will know (laughs) that is true. It does not take long to sow into your flesh to see that temptation try to bring fruit in your life. Things that are sown in the spirit take a lot longer. I think that's why Paul at the end of this says, if you do not give up. We grow accustomed to, to, you know, sowing the wrong seed and seeing the fruit rather quickly. But with the spirit, that's just not so. And I just hate to be the bearer of bad news for you in your life, but it just doesn't work that way. Not, maybe not all the time, but for the most part, it doesn't work that way. And so we'll come to an altar. We'll be prayed for. Maybe we'll do a whole seven-day Bible plan, like every day, check mark, boxed, did the notes, read the actual scriptures, all of it. And be like, all right, I just did a seven day on identity. I expect my life to be different. I just want to tell you, that's typically not how this stuff works. And for those of you that are sowing seeds, waiting for something, if if you have to have something, God's not going to give it to you. Hey, uh, give me everyone's attention. I'm losing some of you. Half of you are staring at someone else in this room. Whenever you sow things, you've got to let it die to you first. This is, i, I I'm, oh God, I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna piece this together for you the best I can. When Paul ends this passage here in Galatians, he says, if you sow your life to the spirit in due time, you will reap eternal life, right? Saying so, there's gonna be a time period between when you sow your life to the spirit you will reap eternal life at the end of your life. What happens when you sow a seed? The seed dies. What happens when you sow to the spirit? You're supposed to die to your flesh. The entire book of Romans and Galatians and Ephesians tackled this issue. Scripture always interprets scripture, always. It complements itself very well. The reason he uses this example of sowing your life unto the spirit is because they know when you sow something, that means that that thing is going under the dirt and it is going to die. And it might be a while before you start seeing some fruit, before you might even start seeing some giftings, before you start might seeing some assignments from the Lord or some new fresh anointings or some new words from the spirit. Sometimes it might just be quiet. Sometimes it might just be still. Sometimes it might be dry and you just have to sit under the dirt and wait but if you cannot if you cannot not give up right hows paul put it let me read it to you one more time cuz paul puts it just better than anyone and let us not grow weary for in due season we will reap if we do not give up he's also giving a warning some of us are going go under the dirt for a little while but we grow weary and we give up and we would rather see instant fruit even if it's bad than great fruit because it takes a long time, right? The, some of the best food on the planet takes a little while to cook, right? You get what I'm saying? There, there's, there's, there's such a beautiful metaphor taking place here in Galatians because ultimately whenever you sow your life to the spirit, like what Paul is saying, whenever you are giving your life up to God, you're quite literally going under the dirt and sitting still, not moving, just saying, okay, I'm on your time now. It's up to you now. I'm gonna, you water when it needs to be watered. I, tell, uh, I try to remind our youth leaders this uh, quite a while. Ministry is quite literally sowing seeds and watering seeds and that's all you get to do in ministry. That's all it is. I don't care if you're a kids pastor, youth pastor, media director, janitor. That's what ministry is. Paul tells the, I think it's in Corinthians, I think it's 1 Corinthians 3. He's talking to the church in Corinth and half the church is split and half the people are really devoted to Paul. They love Paul. He's their apostle. They just want to hear from him. That's all they care about. And the other half of the church, there's a guy named Apollos that they love and he comes and teaches at their churches. When he comes through Corinth, he's a man of God and he is just awesome. And the church is split in who they are loyal to. And Paul writes in first Corinthians and he says, guess what? I planted the seed. Apollo can water the seed. That's all we're responsible for. God will bring about the growth. That is what ministry is. We plant seeds and we water the seeds. What God does with it while it's under the soil, what God does between the water and you, that's that's between Him and the Lord. That's the only thing that keeps me going in ministry. Because if I base ministry, and let me put it this way if what kept me going in ministry was always just looking to the, the fruit of what I do instantly, I'd quit probably every Thursday. Right? If I woke up on Thursday and was like, all right, I preached a bomb message. Every one of them kids better be perfect. I better be getting calls from teachers that revival's broken out in every school and miracles are taking place. And the trash cans are full of marijuana and all this other stuff. That has never happened in 10 years. I actually, I had one teacher call me one time in 10 years on a Thursday, Um, but anyway. I I don't, and if, if you are in any way serving the church, if you have any aspiration of, you know, being involved in your local church for a long time, then you need to hear this. And hopefully that's every person in this room. Ministry is, what we do as a church, what we do as a body is not about seeing instant fruit. It's not about, you know, we do food drives. It's not about feeding 400 families. And then on that Sunday being like, those 400 families better be in this church. And our tithe better go up and we better be full and it better be on the news, Right? When we do things, when we do color wars, when we do, when we do movement, I don't walk away from movement But like, if the youth group ate 200 people the next week, I quit. I don't do that. Does, does the enemy try to tell me that sometimes? Sure, but man, I, I would be insane to do that. I'm perfectly content with sowing seeds, watering seeds. What happens after that, I'm not responsible for. And if you will grasp that mindset with your life, your life will change. But as long as you keep God in a box and like, Lord, I've sown the seed, I'm watering it for a few days. If I don't start seeing something out of it, we hold God hostage. You hold God hostage when you do that. You hold God hostage and say, Lord, this is your, this is, you've you've got four days to change my life. You've got four days to get rid of this depression. I'm gonna do it your way for this long, Who's God? Who's God in that scenario? Who's God in the scenario whenever you say, all right, Lord, I've prayed for seven days. I've read my Bible for seven days. I've also still been dealing with this lust problem for seven days. So I guess you're not real. Who's God in that scenario? You are. You have got to sow your life to the spirit and then be content with what happens next. It's just Ben, guys. We love Ben. Nothing crazy's going on. See, are okay. I know everyone's real distracted tonight, but please, please hear what I'm saying to you. This isn't about a a a quick fix solution to your problems. You giving your life over to the Lord, you being a Christian, is not about having less problems. I could probably argue. Anyway, I won't say that. <laughs> I don't know if y'all are y'all get, y'all get scared out of this church. Most and well, anyway, it happens anyway, because when what happens is we, we jump on this boat or we sow our lives. I'm like, dude, my problems, I've had more conversations with young people who are like, my problems got worse. But duh, yeah, I know because there's been light exposed in dark places because God's cleaning out your heart because he's trying to get you to the other side of your addiction. Your life, I I, I understand why I say it, and I've heard a preacher say it like your life's gonna get harder after you get saved. It's not necessarily your life's gonna get harder. It's just harder to clean up a mess than to keep a mess the way it is, right? And we get scared whenever the mess starts getting cleaned up because it's way too much work. It's exhausting. It's messy. You you forgot some of it was there. You ever clean like y'all clean your room? Sometimes you know I'm talking about. You be cleaning your room, be like, whoa, gross. That's been between me and my mattress that long. Like that's nasty. That food, that whatever, that stuff's been there. And so as the Lord starts doing this, we get scared. And we're like, this is disgusting. And this makes me look way worse. If you, as a Christian, y'all listen to me. I'm, I'm wrapping up right now. Um, is someone in this, Graham, Italy, if anyone's in the sound booth, if y'all just play some music, I don't need the band tonight. If you'll just play some music on Spotify, that'll work. If, if you cannot sow your, sow your life to the Spirit, And knowing that the real gift and the real prize and the real fruit is eternal life, you will not be content with what happens between now and then. We sow our our life to the spirit and we're like, all right, miracles now, deliverance now, blessings now, life change now. I wanna be in ministry now. The promise, listen, listen to me. I want every eye on me. I get it. I'm gonna wait till I get it. I'm a, I'll make this more awkward. I have no shame. I'll wait till every person's looking at me. And I know, I know the names of you who aren't. I'm giving you so much grace and mercy. There we go. If you are not content with the promise of God in your life being eternal life, you you will not make it. Our contentment cannot be found in your calling. It can't be found in an assignment. It can't be found in some gifting you might have. It cannot be found in some anointing you might have. It cannot be found in even even things that, that will happen. You will find deliverance, you will find freedom. I'm not saying you won't find those things, but what I am saying is if if your life it only belongs to the Lord because you have a contingency plan because you want to see something other than eternal life, you are setting yourself up for failure. Most most young people come to the Lord not because we we want the promise of eternal life, which is literally the gospel. The gospel, the good news itself, is literally eternal life. But instead we have, we have cast eternal life off because oh, that's cool and everything. I don't really, I can't really understand that. I don't really grasp that. That happens way later. I'm really more concerned about my life right now. And we have right now, Christians wanting to see a right now, God holding a gun to God's head saying, do this right now. The eternal life thing, that would be cool because hell sounds awful. The promise of sowing your life unto the Lord is eternal life. What happens between that moment while you're under the dirt and what you've eventually reap at the end of eternal life is between the person who causes growth. It ain't your pastor, it ain't your preacher, it ain't your leader, it ain't nothing. And so many people change things up physically in their life when spiritually something needs to happen. And this generation thinks by moving churches, changing podcasts or moving across the country that God's all of a sudden gonna do what he couldn't do because you lived in a certain state or went to a certain church. Let me be honest with you for a moment. What will change your life is when you are in submission to God spiritually and you can spiritually sit under the dirt. And you can spiritually say whatever happens between now and then I know Paul says this in in Philippians for unto me to live is Christ, to die is gain. My life now belongs to Christ. The only gain I have Jesus at the end, the message of heaven is always and forever will be for all of millennia be Jesus. It will be, you have eternal life. Go, go read your Bible. No one, you will not find a a single moment in scripture where Paul or any of these guys came running through the streets being like, anyone want to be blessed today? Anyone want their life to change for the better? Anyone want to have a better marriage? Those things are true. That is not the message of the gospel. And what we have done in 2024 is we have taken the good news of eternal life. We have taken glory and we have taken heaven and we've said, yeah, that's great. And all, but we really don't understand it. Can't see it. Can't fathom it. So let's just promise these things. Let's put these things in front of the generations face. This is the miracle that's waiting for you. And it might be, it might be, but what happens after that? What happens after you finally get that assignment that you want from God? What happens after you see that first miracle? It's because we don't have people who run a race with their eyes set on heaven anymore. We have people who run a race set on their benefit, on their on their miracle, on their on their I want to be in I want to do this in ministry. On their I want to be this influ- I want to have this influence. I want to have this much money. See, we have we have we are sowing things that are fleshly and worldly and calling it heaven. Well, this is what heaven promises. No, heaven first and always promises eternal life. If you can't run your race with Jesus based upon receiving that promise and that promise alone, if that is not enough, if everything else left, if everything else went away, if, I mean, if, if, if you never, I'm not, this won't happen, but I need you to understand that the, the concept that I'm trying to get across to you, if it did, because I know millions of people who lived on the earth when God was quiet. Millions of people lived on the earth without seeing miracles. Billions of people lived on the earth, did not get what we got. And I wonder how selfish and spoiled we've become. Eternal life, eh, that's, that's a fantasy. Heaven, that's a fantasy. That happens when I die, I'm young. What about right now? I want something right now. I want my life changed right now. Maybe your right now isn't changing because your life isn't sown into the spirit. Maybe your life wasn't sown into the spirit. Maybe your life was sown into something else. Maybe you gave up your life because you were tired of being depressed. Maybe you gave your life to God because you needed friends. Maybe you gave your life to God on a night that no one else seemed to care you won't run this race very long if your eyes are not set on heaven. If your eyes are set on something else, because hear me, God will not share your heart with something he can give you. You get what I'm saying? And so many of us, man, we we beg God to give them things that we worship. Why would he want, why would he share, why would he share in his glory? He's gotta die first. If you can't live without it, he's not gonna give it to you. And the way you can live without all these other things is set your eyes on eternal life. Say, man, God, whatever happens between now and then, I sleep well at night, I've been in ministry for 10 years, I've had awful things done and said to me in 10 years and 30 years I've been alive. Nothing, nothing gets in my way because there ain't nothing anyone can take. They, They can't take that from me. No one can take away the future glory that awaits for me. No one can take my spot. No one can take my name out of that book. Nobody can touch it. Everything else that happens in between, me and God are good. I know what my prize is at the end. My prize isn't being a cool youth bastard, because I am. My prize isn't getting to eat free, hungry Howie's every Wednesday. My prize isn't getting to preach and have a podcast. My prize isn't getting to go to RTU every year. My prize, like none of this is my prize. You guys aren't my prize. I'm not your prize. That would be disappointing. My prize at the end is eternal life. If miracles happen between now and then, whew, awesome, because I know God will do it. But man, between me and eternal life, I hope I can bring as many people along with me. Because at the end, that's what I'll be looking for. At the end, that's what I'll notice the most is who's there with me? Who in this room is there with me? Whose life did you affect? Who'd you bring with you? Not how blessed was our life on earth. Not how great was our church services. Not how, how wonderful did our, our, our screens look. How fun were our trips. It's just eternal life, guys. We want heaven to come to earth. That's the promise that the church is built on. That's literally the gospel. The good news is always built upon eternal life. So this is how we're gonna close tonight. Um, There was no better time for this to happen. Um, And I found a good spot on the floor to do it. And so over the past, you know, since Friday, I've been walking around this room and I've been reading some of the things on the floor from past generations of, of this youth group. Um, people that I don't, that are probably much older by now. Um, I know some of you were probably here when some of this was written. I know Noah was here. I'm sure Courtney was here. I'm sure I'm sure many of you came. And I'm sure many of you probably remember when some of this was written. Emma, uh, as I was thinking about tonight, everyone's like, are we going to write on the floor? Are we going to write on the floor? I'm like, such a youth group thing to do. That's what makes me a good youth pastor. And so at the front, Alexis drew me a beautiful box. And it says this, it says unto the spirit, we sow our lives. And I'll have some leaders up here. If you need someone to talk to, you want someone to just pray with you, talk things through, man, we've got that. We've got the best team in the world. Um, Alexis, somebody, we all bring that cup of markers up here. All I'm asking you to do for this is, Because I want when future generations have to rip up the carpet, I want them to see this from us. Even if it's 10, 15 years from now and you're all old and married and having babies and, you know, evangelizing the world, I just want our names to be here. That's all I want to do. If you want to go write a scripture on the floor, you are more than welcome to if you can find an open spot. You just want to, you know, you do your thing, but here's what I want you to do. I want you to come write your name in this box. Unto the spirit we sow our lives. If, if, if this time, if this season, if this group right here can be remembered and we can look back on this years from now, man, I hope it can be, I hope this can be said of us that we are still running our race with our eyes set on Jesus, the pioneer, the perfecter of our faith, knowing our promise is eternal life. Because if, if, this, if, if this is true, then when this carpet gets ripped up again, and how many other years? Every person in this room is running their race still. And it won't be like, oh man, have you seen this person's life? And hey, you see that name right there? If you go creep their Instagram. Because if it's true, if we sow our lives unto the spirit, like Paul says, you'll still be running this race. So stand with me. We're gonna play some music. If I could have like four leaders come up to the front, just in case someone needs some counseling or prayer or a hug. (laughs) I've got markers up here. All you've gotta do is come sign your name. That's all I'm asking. If you wanna do more, you can do more. Okay, I'm not saying you're not allowed to, but all I'm asking that you do, if this is real, now hear me, listen, listen. If this is real, okay, if this is genuine, If it it means what we've talked about here tonight, and this is a long-term race, then I want you to just come write your name. Thank you for downloading today's message. Again, we hope that it encouraged you, blessed you, and edified you. If you are a high school, middle school, or even a a young adult in the Panama City area, we would love to have you come be a part of our services at High Praise Panama City. Our YTH services are every Wednesday at 7 o'clock. The mix, our pre-service time, starts at 5 o'clock. We would love to have you out. If not, find a way to connect with us on Instagram at hp.yth. We would love to connect with you in some way, and God bless.